Ignition sequence start. Six, five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hey, I'm so glad that we can be together for church today. Welcome to Centerpoint Church Online. If you're new with us, my name is John Hansen. I'm lead pastor at Centerpoint. I'm glad to welcome you into life-changing connections. And if uh, you hadn't had a chance to do so yet, please do support the ministry of Centerpoint Church by giving online. And you can just go to mycenterpoint.tv and click give or do the text thing that you heard about before. So I was on a little hike with some, with some brothers, with some friends, and yes, don't worry, we were six feet apart and all that. Anyway, we were doing a hike, and uh, we usually stop at this one spot and just pray together and for each other and for whatever's going on. And this one brother said, hey, uh, can we pray uh, for somebody? There's this guy I know that I've been doing some work with, and, and he said, I, I ran into this guy, and, and he said, you know, he's struggling with his faith right now, and, and what he said was, I don't even think prayer works anymore. I just don't even think prayer works. And as we, we were talking and praying for this guy, that phrase just kept kind of resonating inside of me, that idea of what it means to say prayer doesn't work, you know? And I really want to talk about that a little bit today. I think that we need to learn together today about what prayer is, what it isn't, and why it's vital, and what we ought to expect as we're praying and I want you to know how crucial it is. In fact, one of the scriptures that, uh, that I, I love to just think about is what it says in Psalm 28 in verse 2. It says, listen to my prayer for mercy as I cry out to you for help, as I lift my hands toward your holy sanctuary. And there's something about our own need to be lifted and how it comes as we begin to pray together. And I don't think it's an accident that it says, you know, lift up your holy hands towards the sanctuary. There's something about our own posture of coming before God. And here, the posture is called out of lifting our hands together. But lifting our hands is also about lifting our hearts, lifting our minds, lifting our perspective, lifting our soul into the very presence of God, recognizing that whatever we need, ultimately, it's going to come from God. The help that we need, the sustaining grace that we need, the goodness of God comes as we come into his presence, and that is the essence of prayer. The essence of prayer is experiencing the presence of God. And so if you need to be lifted, maybe it is time to do a little bit of lifting of those holy hands in prayer like the scripture spoke of. The message I want to share with you today is this. The main idea is simply this. Right out of the gate, I want you to know what my message is, and it's this. I press into God's presence through prayer so that I can persevere in my life with God's power. I want you to just say that statement with me one time. Ready? Say it. I press into God's presence through prayer so I can persevere in my life with God's power. That's what I'm hoping that you will you will choose as a declaration, as a conclusion over your own life. And I want us to turn together in the scriptures to Luke chapter 18. So grab that Bible off the coffee table or your nightstand or off your dashboard or wherever you might be right now. Grab that Bible and I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. And it's all right that you don't have yours because you were busy singing. It's okay. Anyway, I want you to turn to Luke chapter 18. And as you're turning to Luke 18, here's kind of the context there. Uh, it's the beginning of the chapter, so the context really is from the chapter before, and 
Luke 17, Jesus has been walking through the area of Galilee teaching about the kingdom of God, what it's like when God is reigning and ruling. And then he demonstrates the reality of God's reigning and ruling by healing 10 people who had leprosy. And in one moment, they're, they're healed. They're instantly healed. And the disciples that were with Jesus, I mean, they're wondering, how does that happen? And, and they, they want to not just be spectators. They want to be those who are able to engage in that kind of kingdom demonstration too. And Jesus knows that in order for those disciples to begin to experience more of that kingdom reality, they're going to need to be people who pray. And so I think this is for you and me too. I think Jesus is wanting for all of us to be people who who don't just read about prayer, but who are actively those who pray, who know that the essence of prayer is coming into God's presence and who choose to do it, who choose to press into God's presence through prayer so that we can persevere in our lives through God's power. And so with that all in mind, I want you to turn now with me to Luke chapter 18, And we'll just jump in right at the beginning. And here's what the scripture says. It says, one day, Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while, but finally he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people, but this woman's driving me crazy. I'm going to see to it that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant requests. And then the Lord said, learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. So don't you think that God will surely give you justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them and quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, how many will he find on the earth who have faith? All right, so it's pretty clear. This is Jesus calling his disciples and you and me by extension to prayer and to be people who pray, to be people who are actively engaged in coming into God's presence. Prayer sometimes it gets a bad rap because we think of it as simply one thing when in fact it's lots of kinds of things. But, but one thing's for sure. We often struggle with misconceptions around prayer. Like for example, we think about prayer and we think, oh, that's me giving my list to the big genie in the sky and then he's supposed to just do it all. <laughs> God, that doesn't work. That is not the reality. And we need to call it like it is. It, it is, it is not simply rattling off a list of what we want. There's room for making a request known, but it's more about coming to know the person of who God is, experiencing his presence and the lifting that happens just by being with him. I mean, that's the essence of it. So let me, let me take you back to verse one, and let's take some time to dive into this together. Here's what it said. It said, one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. Everybody say, always pray. Always pray. Always pray. And I think he meant it. Yeah. And you know, it's, it's interesting. This phrase, always, in the original language, it literally means at all times. In all different kinds of times. So at all times. Times when things are good and you're getting things going your way. Times when everything's normal in society. Times when uh, things are kind of crazy and there's a pandemic. <laughs> at all times. 
at all times. This is part of what it means to be a disciple, is someone who knows I have such a relationship with God that I'm, I'm not just reserving prayer for those 18 seconds before I eat my meal when I say grace. I'm not just when early in the morning saying, God bless my day, amen, goodbye, but instead at all times and throughout all of my day, I'm gonna be the kind of person who's pressing into God's presence through prayer so that I can receive his power to persevere in this life, always. But that, that first verse, it said he told his disciples that this story so that they would pray and never give up. And it's, it's rare that this happens, right? Usually when there's going to be a parable of Jesus, you know, Jesus just tells his story and then we're left to kind of figure out, well, what does that mean? But this time, Luke's saying, I'm not even leaving anything up for grabs. I just need you to know this is exactly what he meant, <laughs> that his disciples would always pray, at all times pray, and never give up. And I think maybe the Holy Spirit through Luke's pen was identifying a danger. And the danger is that sometimes we do feel like giving up. No, sometimes we do feel like giving up on, on our prayer life even. Because we do reach moments where we find ourselves feeling tired out. We feel a sense of, uh, of fatigue. We feel a sense of just getting weary with it all. Like, for example, I was reading this past week about something called Zoom fatigue. How many of you are doing, like, Zoom calls a lot right now, a lot of Zoom calls? Right, a lot of us are doing that kind of thing. Zoom call life is how we're living. And uh, I read that there's something called Zoom fatigue, and that is that the human brain uh, with the reticular activating system is designed to be analyzing what's going on with people's expressions and body language and then making sense of it, right? And when you're in a room you can kind of look over at one person and sort of take it in or look over at another person. But what's happening with Zoom is you've got all, you know, nine or 20 or whatever people in the Brady Bunch box and you're, you're, your brain's on overload just trying to figure out what is she feeling? What does it mean the way he's tuning out? Why is this person scratching their head incessantly? Right? So, you know, we, we get uh, something called Zoom fatigue where we actually just find ourselves wanting to log out of that Zoom and never do another Zoom call of the rest of our lives. Right? Somebody can relate too much right now. But... Uh, the truth is, I think something like that can happen in our, in our spiritual life as well. We find ourselves hitting a point of fatigue. And maybe for some of us, we've hit that wall. Uh, I, I heard from, from one expert in crisis leadership that at around the six-week mark, there's a wall in any crisis that leaders and those engaged in responding to crisis hit. And when you hit that wall, you feel like you just want to quit and give up because you're tired out. And lots of us, I think, are feeling this right now. We're feeling weary. We're feeling a sense of fatigue from so many different decisions we've been making. We've been sensing a, a, a weariness of soul because of so many different pieces of news and information that don't seem to jive and we're just tired of it. We're, we're feeling a sense of fatigue because of not being able to go to work like, like we normally would. We're feeling a sense of fatigue because of being shut up in the house for so long and we're feeling a sense of fatigue because even though we love the people of our family, I hope, uh, we are not used to spending that much time together, and we're tired of it. I mean, this is just part of the reality, and it makes us feel like giving up. And for some of us, it's affecting our spiritual life, and in a sense, causing us to, to wanna give up praying, give up connecting with God, give up spiritually. And I want to ask you to consider the parable Jesus told. Okay, so in verse 3, it says, 
if I, if I can just continue there, a widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. And if you were in, uh, if you could just say out loud with me, came repeatedly. <laughs> she came repeatedly. I mean, that was part of what was being highlighted in this story. She came repeatedly. She did not give up. She kept on coming, even though she wasn't seeing what she wanted to see, even though she was tired of her circumstance, even though she hadn't seen it change yet, even though it was still as difficult as it had ever been, even though she was still waiting, she kept coming. (laughs) And there's something about that, right? It's painting a picture of what Jesus envisions our life of connecting with God could look like. That even when we're not seeing what we want to see, even when it isn't going the way we wish it would go, that we keep coming. We just keep coming. We don't stop. We keep coming to him, asking for what we need, and uh, we don't quit. We don't give up. There are different kinds of seasons in our lives and different kinds of ways of continuing to come to him in prayer. So let's just talk about that for, for a minute. There is not one way to pray. I remember back in the day, I learned about prayer when I was new and following Jesus. And someone said, this is how you have to do it. A-C-T-S. You have to do it like that. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. That's the only way you can pray. Right? And, and for a while, I kind of believed it. I might have even taught some sermons about that. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think there's actually a lot more bandwidth than that in terms of what it looks like to engage with God. And sometimes it looks like... Uh, pacing around quietly, but pacing around and just throwing your hands up in the air like this. Sometimes prayer and connecting with God looks like literally getting on your knees. Sometimes praying and being in the presence of God can look like just laying your body down, face down on the ground, just prostrate before his presence. Sometimes praying and connecting with God can look like uh, reading a psalm out loud. Sometimes praying, connecting with God in prayer looks like taking a walk around the neighborhood and just praying in the spirit as you go. Sometimes praying and connecting with God can look like sitting in just total silence receiving and experiencing his presence. What I want you to see and and give yourself permission to do is to enter into that, that experience of God's presence in whatever way you need to, in whatever season you're in, but don't stop. I think that's the essence of what this parable Jesus told is, is that this is a woman who kept on coming, and she was a widow who was crying out for justice. I don't know about you, but I feel like we need to be crying out for justice right now. In this situation that we're facing with the COVID-19 crisis, I believe we who are believers who are coming into the presence of God need to be crying out for justice, asking God to bring us justice, justice over every lie that's being propagated, justice over every spirit of fear that's being stirred up, justice over every disease that is inflicting harm, justice over, over all of it over the economic damage and destruction that's being done, I think that we as the people of God, we need to be crying out and not stopping. We need to keep on coming into his presence and crying out together. Repeatedly, she came crying out. We press into God's presence through prayer so that we can persevere in our life with God's power. In verse seven, it said this. It said about this unjust judge, Jesus said, look, even he rendered a decision, a just decision in the end. So don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? And Jesus, I hope you see this clearly, is saying, look, 
Our heavenly father is not at all like the unjust judge. Our heavenly father is good and kind and loving and full of justice. And so if a bad, unjust judge would finally give in and make a just decision, don't you think God would? What I'm wondering about is whether maybe we need to make some adjustments in what it means to pray and our own commitment to be those kind of people who come into God's presence, making our requests known, lifting up our cry and continually doing so. A lot of us right now uh, probably are, like I was saying before, doing a bunch of Zoom calls and our work life has probably changed. You know, and a lot of us have had to figure out uh, some, some new ways of getting work done, doing some upgrades to make it happen. And a lot of us have probably come up with different approaches as to how we do our work life. Uh, like, for example, <laughs> check out my setup. So welcome to my office, at least my temporary office. Probably like a lot of other people, I've been having to improvise. So here's what I've done. Got a folding table set up and got my... Computer perched up on some boxes, a few boxes to get the right height. Got the ring light, I got a good microphone because I care about the sound. And so, spending a lot of time here, online. But here's the problem. The problem is that I'm on the computer doing all these Zoom meetings all the time, and that requires using the Wi-Fi signal. The problem is that there's also another four people in my household getting online all the time. And what was happening is the Wi-Fi signal is just crashing and we weren't able to get the connection going. We weren't able to get what we really needed. So to solve the problem, I needed to come up here. Welcome to my closet. <laughs> so the issue was our Wi-Fi system, I had a router that was, I don't know, five years old, something like that. The one that they give you, the Builder Basic router from the, uh, the internet service provider. And our speed was literally six, Mbps, and if you're a tech person, you already know that's atrocious, right? But if you don't, you're not a tech person. Basically, that's ridiculously slow. And so, when three or four of us would all try to get online, things would get jammed up, and nothing would work right. So, here's what I did. I changed out my equipment. First of all, I called my Wi-Fi company. I said, I need the upgrade, <laughs> and they sent me two pieces of equipment, brand new, a new powerful modem and a new powerful switcher router. But I went even a step beyond that and I got myself this awesome high speed mesh Wi-Fi system. Let me tell you about it. The mesh Wi-Fi router, what that does is it brings the Wi-Fi signal at an amazing capacity all over the entire house. It used to be we had an extender you had to log into over here, a different extender you had to log into over there, and it would be seven at most Mbps. But once I set this mesh Wi-Fi system up in my house, I'm not even kidding you, the speeds right now, 240 Mbps. <laughs> Every member of my family can get on a Zoom call all at once and it works uh, like a charm, it's awesome. What I wanted to say is that our, our connection with God, I think is intended to be like this, like that mesh Wi-Fi, where it's got coverage over everything all the time, where there is a, a download speed that's amazing because the connection is so good, so solid. 
And maybe some of us are settling for some old school builder basic router that got sent to us five years ago in terms of our prayer life and our connection with God. And maybe now is the time for the upgrade. Upgrade to a mesh system where your connection with God is happening all the time in all kinds of places. And by the way, I am in my closet. And you know what? There's something powerful about a prayer closet, about that secret place with God, about that dwelling with God, communing with God, connecting with God in a way that goes beyond what anyone else sees, that happens in the secret. I want to urge you to do it, to set aside your own prayer room, your own prayer closet. And it can be literal or figurative. It's not as much about the place as it is about what happens. And it's about connecting with God on that 240 Mbps connection speed. It's about that mesh coverage over the whole entire thing, over the whole entire scape of your life. You don't have to log in separately because you know he is always present. He is a breath away and you can begin to connect with him in ways that bring life to your soul, bring hope to you and change circumstances. And if the circumstances don't change immediately, you are changed immediately. You're changed in this way. Hope rises. Joy begins to become more evident in and through your life. The fruit of the Holy Spirit comes. The peace of God comes. And you sense his presence and power and it comforts you. Hey, it's time for the upgrade. I'm praying that we experience a spiritual upgrade and it's simple. It's about coming into the presence of God and experiencing the joy, the goodness of being with him. I mean, the message today is straightforward. I press into God's presence through prayer so that I can persevere in my life with God's power. That's what it's about. But let me just, uh, as, as I'm beginning to wrap up this message, share something from Psalm 27. And it says this, it says in Psalm 27, verse 7, Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. I love the simplicity of the New Living Translation. My heart has heard you say, come talk with me. And you know, that's the essence of it. Sometimes we overcomplicate what it really even means to be people who pray. It's ultimately about coming into a, a conversation with our God, our maker, and receiving from him what he has for us and, and offering and unburdening ourselves to him in whatever ways that we need to. And this is what we're made for, this kind of a life. But you know what? A lot of us kind of skip out on it and miss out on it. Do you know, a couple years ago, we did a family trip back when you used to be able to take family trips and stay in hotels and stuff. Remember the good old days? I was stay, uh, we went to the Grand Canyon as part of this road trip. And uh, we, we went there and, and we went to the ticket booth or wherever you buy your tickets and stuff. And, and the, the lady said, are you sure you want to do the descent below the rim? And we said, yeah. And she said, well, it's really hot. You're going to need all this extra water. You know, you could get dehydrated down there. And we finally convinced her that we were good. We had extra water. And she finally sold us the tickets. And then she said to us, she said, did you know what? You're, you're part of the 5%. And I said, what? She said, you're part of the 5%. She told me that at the Grand Canyon, 95% of the people who visit the Grand Canyon never go below the rim. 
but just stay up at the top, just kind of looking out across of it. But only 5% of the people actually go below the rim. And I'll tell you what, it was beautiful up from the top. I mean, just looking out at the Grand Canyon, no mistake. It's awesome. It's incredible. It's unbelievable. But we did go below the rim. And when, when we descended into the canyon, there was such a majesty, such a beauty, such an un paralleled experience of awe just because of being immersed in it. Rather than just looking at it from a distance and appreciating it, being immersed in it. And I think that it's what you and I are made for spiritually, is to be part of the, <laughs> the 5%. In fact, let's change the math. Let's not let ourselves be uh, believers who are content with, hey, well, 5% of the people can go into the presence of God. Let's be people who change the math, and let's be a church that says, no, we're all going for it. We're all going to go into the presence of God. We're going to be people who pray, because we need to see things change in our world. We need to see things change over COVID-19. We need to see things change in our economy, and it's going to require you and me to be people who spend time in God's presence, and like that woman in the story that Jesus told, we just keep crying out we just keep crying out we keep saying come lord come and do something god and believing that he will hey this week we're going to do a five day prayer walk experience as a church and i want you to be a part of it every single day there's a different uh, specific kind of a prayer walk experience i want you to go on our website mycenterpoint.tv and click on where it says serve and you'll see it says prayer walk and you'll find the details there, but we have a, a packet that we can give you with some simple, fun exercises. You get your family together, you get some exercise, you walk and pray, experience God's presence. But let's be sure we pray together. But let's be sure that as we pray, our trust is in Jesus, because he's the Savior. He's the one who makes it possible for us to have access to the power and presence of God. Jesus spoke these words in John chapter 6, verse 47. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Anyone who believes. Can I just tell you today that Jesus had, had, a, had a vision that whoever would finally wake up realizing, wait a minute, I need God. Wait a minute, I don't want to carry this guilt and this shame anymore. Anyone. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me. And you know what? There might be some people that want to you know, make it a lot more complicated than Jesus made it. But Jesus made it pretty straightforward, didn't he? Anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Eternal life is access to the presence and power of God here and now and the promise of living forever in paradise with God and an eternal experience of his joy and salvation. And you know what? I want to just offer you the opportunity today to put your trust in Jesus and receive his gift of eternal life. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me has eternal life. And maybe you need to ask yourself a question right now. Have I ever really believed in Jesus? Not just come and, and looked from the outside, kind of like the 95% that go to the Grand Canyon and look at it as an observer from the top, but have you come in? Have you dis descended below the rim, so to speak, and come into the presence of God and said, Jesus, would you forgive me and save me? Because that is what is available to you now. The words of Jesus again, anyone who believes in me has eternal life. Have you put your trust in Jesus? 
If you haven't yet, I want to challenge you to do so now. So would you just take a moment and pray with me? Can we pray together? God, I thank you for your word, and I thank you for a simple story of a woman, and, and it's a fictional story, Jesus, that you made up, but a, a story of a, a woman who just kept on coming to some unjust judge, and then finally the judge gave in and did something. And, and Jesus, you wanted us to see a picture of just continuing to pray, continuing to ask and cry out, and I pray, God, that you would call us to be the kind of people who do just that. But right now, Lord, I also pray for anyone who's a part of this experience online in this moment, maybe who has never believed in Jesus, and I pray for a spiritual awakening right now, that there would be a, a stirring deep within, and right now, while I'm praying for you, something's happening inside of you. You feel like you're waking up inside. It's like something's buzzing deep within, and it's the Spirit of God at work calling you to Jesus. And so in this moment, if you're, if you're feeling that stirring and you're saying, I do want to receive the forgiveness of my sins. I do want to receive the gift of eternal life. Then I want you right now to simply say out loud, Jesus Christ, I believe in you. And just say it, Jesus, I believe in you. I turn from my sin. I repent of my sin. And I turn to you, Jesus, and I ask for your forgiveness. Jesus, I give my life to you. Why don't you just say that with me? Jesus, I give my life to you. Thank you, God, for the gift of new life. And thank you for bringing that gift of eternal life to so many right now in this moment. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me to receive this gift of eternal life through faith in Jesus, would you let us know? In the comments, you can click on a link that uh, will help you to register that decision or click on the button in, in the chat area. You're committing your life to Jesus. Or if in your Facebook, just type in the comments, I'm giving my life to Jesus. We would love to pray with you and help you grow from this point forward in this faith in Christ. We're going to celebrate communion now. So I'm going to invite my wife to come on up. Pastor Ann Hansen is going to join us. And if you haven't had a chance to yet, uh, go grab your communion elements. This is a bring your own communion kind of a moment. And let's take some time together to remember what Jesus has done. Hey, church family, I wanted to just take a minute, and as we get ready to take communion, I wanted to have us remember the night that Jesus was betrayed, and just to imagine just how much anguish he was in, how much um, grief he was in. Uh, in Matthew 26, it records that he was in anguish and great distress, and he knew the betrayal was coming. He knew what was about to happen to him, and what did he do at that moment? Because he was battling, right? He was battling. And so he decided at that moment to teach us how to fight our battles also by having a meal with his friends and by teaching them to have communion, to remember his body broken and his blood shed for us. And so I want to read that in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, on the night when Jesus was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this to remember me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this to remember me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. Right now, we're in a season of battling. 
Amen? Right? We are battling, and the Lord gave us a weapon in communion. So I want us to take it together. Uh, if you, I'm going to distribute the elements to the worship team. Maybe you can take a minute and distribute it to your family as well. Oh, oh I did it again. <laughs> Sorry. There's a bump <laughs> in the carpet. Okay. All right. We're getting our um, communion elements right now. I'm going to ask that you take this with me. So the body is represented by the bread. And so we're declaring that by this, this is the power of God for our salvation. This is also the power of God for our breakthrough right now in Jesus' name. So I take this body um, over our healing. This bread releases our healing. It releases our freedom. It releases our victory. I take this over uh, coronavirus, over our economy, over jobs needed, over fertility, over health issues, over marriages broken. We declare that the body of broke that body of Christ that was broken for us is enough. So let's take this together, remembering Jesus. And as we take this blood that was shed for us, this juice or wine or whatever you're having, we're remembering that we are under a new covenant that we have been forgiven. This blood declares that we get new beginnings every day. Every day, new mercies every day. And that's what we get with this blood shed for us. So let's take this and remember that we have been forgiven. Let's choose to operate in the forgiveness of God towards others, towards ourselves. Wherever forgiveness is needed, wherever freedom is needed, let's take this right now in Jesus' name. Just pray with me. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord, for the weapon of communion. Thank you, God, that in your moment of anguish, in your moment of battling, in your moment of suffering, you chose to prophetically declare your body broken, your blood shed for us, that this is for our salvation, this is for our healing, this is for our forgiveness. And so we declare that over every situation in our lives, over every area of lack, over every area of need, God, that your body broken is enough that your blood shed for us is enough. We thank you, God. We honor you. We lift high the name of Jesus, the name above every other name, Jesus. We love you. We honor you, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.